you're listening to Atlanta Film Crew, a podcast about this girl's journey into the insane world of filmmaking. Each week, I'll be bringing you inspiring conversations with various crew members from all departments that I've met along the way. We discuss all topics. Nothing is off limits. This podcast is for everyone, from currently working crew to the people wondering how they can join us. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to the Atlanta Film Crew Podcast. I'm Nicole, your host. And today my guest is Eric Dickinson. Um, This is actually one of the first episodes that I recorded for the podcast. Um, We recorded this during like the end of the pandemic COVID lockdown. Um, Layla was co-hosting this one with me. I actually have a few of these podcasts from around that time that I'm just now getting around to editing. So I will be posting those coming up here in the near future. So, um, we get into, I mean, everything. This one's really good. Eric gets into schooling, the opinions on schooling, what kind of equipment schools offer, working in New York City, New York City, New York City, um, what day playing means, like how to secure yourself a full-time gig, how much personality affects that. Um, we talk about his own experience working on his own films um, and technology. We talk about how... Um, technology could eventually affect future jobs in the film industry, which was very interesting. Um, Eric and I met on The Walking Dead, which he was an electrician on. He is very multi-talented. Not only is he currently a union electrician, he also works as a DP and a camera operator and a gaffer. Um, he's worked on the walking dead, as I said, stranger things. And as a DP and camera operator, he's worked on a V day, which is a feature see no evil, which is a doc series. Um, this one's really good. So I hope you guys enjoy this one and tune back in for the remainder of the other podcasts I've yet to release. How exciting. Really, really quick. Yeah. Since we're all drinking things here. Okay. I'll open a water. <sighs> yeah. Be careful with that water, what you do. Dylan was here the other day, and he had a tea, and he spilled his tea all over my fucking rug. I, he goes, oh, no. He's trying to get it out. And he goes, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Hopefully it's not expensive. It, if it doesn't come out, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll get you a new one. I said, oh, you're going to buy me? You're going to reorder me a $500 rug from India, handmade? He was like, oh, shit. I'll get this stain out. <laughs> I was like, yes, you will. Yes, you will get this stain out, please. Nice. What are you working on? I'm working on a show called Dead Silent. So we're shooting reenactments um, with Sonny Lee as the DP, which was definitely a a big pull to me to work on that. When it first came up and then there just happened to be one of the first productions back into the world. Is it Union? It is Union. Yeah. Nice. Dead Silent ID show. I think crime so. Show? Yeah, it's yeah, whatever. I watch that show. Yeah. You watch Dead <laughs> yeah, Silent? Is it good? Crime shows. Yeah, it's one of my like one. You know, I'm very picky about which ones I yeah. like on ID. There's some that reenactments are real, real bad, and then some that you know you can tolerate. But Dead Silent, yeah, and, and um, Your Worst Nightmare. Those ones are like my favorite ones. Your Worst Nightmare is one of your favorites as well. Wow. Yeah, I love that one. I think 
especially what we did last. So this upcoming block will be my third block with them. Um, Sonny was just got thrown on one show and they usually don't hire people over and over again. Now they hired him for the rest of the season and then he hired me and now he's hiring me on for the rest of the season. So it's a really advantageous spot. So what are you, what's your title? I'm gaffer on that. Okay. Uh, yeah. And we actually really like what we're doing so far, especially, I don't know. Like we could talk about COVID stuff if you want. But I don't know if we should just. I mean, start. we don't. I need feel to. like everything. Is that sad? Every, I mean, I mean, we, we, I, mean I know you're getting <laughs> tested, right? Like, yeah, probably testing you guys and yes. blood That's work. That's important. I have been tested three times in total. One my on my own. My production got shut down because the producer's son tested positive. It was like a false positive. So I'm surprised you've made it this far. Like your yeah. show has had yeah. three blocks worth. We have had two blocks worth. There's one block. Le- are you about to start? That we had so, fit, did right before everything went down. Okay. And so now we've done, we've done one in the COVID world and we're about to do our second. That's what I, yeah, I'm saying that's surprising. It is very surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And then Eric was like, so cool. I loved him. I, I would come to set and every day he would like come up, he'd just pop up like right next to you. All of a sudden you'd have like in your side view, you'd be like, <laughs> you know, and he'd be like, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. good. He's so sweet. You were so sweet. And you like always asked me how my day was and how everything was going. And now we're still friends. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And I, you're helping me with a project that I'm working on too, which is going to be so fun. I'm excited for that. Maybe, maybe you could think of me as like a very polite ninja. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent polite ninja. That is it. Yeah, so I'm also very excited, though, to get into this with you because you are very like that. You are very about the other person, I feel like, when you're talking to them. You want to know what they're doing. That's very nice of you to say. And so all of the stuff that that you know about me, I feel like I don't know as much about you because you're very quiet about you. Tell us everything. Yeah, so I want you to take me back to the beginning, like... When your you first were, memory, yeah, your first memory when you. <laughs> oh man, I do have a very weird first memory. Let's hear Let's it. Let's hear it. I want to hear that. One of my first memories was before I could talk, which like people can understand English very young, and I understood English, but I couldn't, I couldn't uh, speak back. But I would, I was also very gullible because I'm very young. I just remember an adult <laughs> walking up the stairs saying sarcastically, "That's one of them big words like mayonnaise." <laughs> And for years, like up to like elementary school, I thought it was a very like important word. It ma- I thought it made me sound smart. So I would, <laughs> I would sprinkle it in. That's a real memory. So you'd be like, <laughs> someone would be like, how was your day, Eric? And you'd be like, you know, I've been really mayonnaise today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'd be like, I'd like some mayonnaise on my sandwich. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so were when you were like younger, did you know was there a certain point in time or like we were 16 or you know, 4 years old when you were like, "Oh, I think I'm going to work in the film industry one day. That's what I want to do." Or did it not come about like that cuz you know, like how did it come up for you or did you do anything sure, when you were younger yeah. that now you think about you're like, "Oh yeah, I totally was going to be a film person cuz I used to do this crap when I was little, you know?" Uh I at first, got interested in art and writing. Um, I had an v- amazing creative writing uh, teacher in high school that just let us do whatever we wanted. And it was def- definitely Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Kansas City. Okay, so you're not from Georgia. No, not from here. Not born in Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities between cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but Atlanta's 
definitely my home now. I love it here very, very much. And so then from there, I know you said you went to SCAD. I did. Which yeah. is, is SCAD like has like, it's a creative a few campuses. Yeah. It has, yes. So where did you go to SCAD? And then what, what like, did you do while you're at SCAD? Cause I think they have different, I'm not sure I didn't go, but they have like different departments or something yeah. of, of degrees you can get or. Definitely. There's, there's a lot at SCAD and I have a lot to say about that place. Um, good and bad. Uh, <laughs> That's it, turned, great. it turned out to be a, a very net positive for me. Um, did you go to the Savannah? I one? did. Yeah. I grew um, up in Savannah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, I did not go to SCAD. I hard, hard. No. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my knee. <laughs> hard, hard pass. I had to get out of Savannah, but I was wondering what campus this one or Savannah's. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Savannah. I mean, you got to love that place. Uh, I didn't get to, I, I was so busy on projects all the time that I, I didn't get to, exp- most of the time I explored the city was on set and that allowed me to some access of like some interesting places, but to get to Nicole's question yes. and not to detour us again, yes. uh, I went to college with the intention of really concentrating on writing still. And uh, that that w- was what was important to me because I was like, well, I, I definitely know I want to write. I think it's weird to s- pursue a career in poetry when you can just do that. Uh, I definitely enjoy movies more than I enjoy reading novels, so maybe I should get into screenwriting. And then when I arrived at the school, you're required to get a very base, uh, a, more of a fundamental education on like what does it mean to be on a set. And that's when I learned about lighting and became massively obsessed with that during my entire stay there. And so you went there for screenwriting. They have like a screenwriting program. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what did that all, um, entail? Like what was your yeah. school experience? Like, like what do you, you know, say good about it? And what do you say back? Cause I know there's a lot of people sure. that are like, uh, film school or not. Like I was one of those people too. And it's like, it seems good, but it also seems like unnecessary at the same time. This is how I like to explain it. If I have a nephew who's like, hey, I really want to follow in your footsteps. I really want to do what you're doing, so I'm going to go to SCAD. I'd be like, that's bullshit. Just come live in Atlanta. I'll right. teach you everything you need to know, right. and we'll find the people who you need to meet. Uh, I did not have that person right. at all, and, and nor did I even know how important that was. And SCAD provided me some other opportunities as well. Um, I learned more about camera than I did lighting in the school just because that's what was there as far as mentorship and we got to build like four sixteens and Panavisions and like all these, like I got to learn how to shoot on film and all those experiences that I, I think are very valuable to have. And I'm glad I'm carrying that with me. I, I won't shit talk it too much, but like it's definitely a school that will happily let you waste your money. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I think they all will. Uh, was that, yeah. was what kind of like equipment did that, did they have like up to like, what year did you go and did they have like up to date stuff that you were using or was it kind of really like outdated? Cause I know that's a problem with a lot of people in like film school is trying to find somewhere that has the equipment they want to learn on. They had a, a, a very good amount of equipment for a film school. Um, definitely had C stands. I, I obviously disagree with like the nuance of what equipment they chose to buy. Um, they were really big on experimenting on cameras and it's like, please get us radios. That would be so much helpful. So if I were on a board of that school, that would be my first thing. It's like, please get Cardellini clamps, please get radios. Let's get the basics down before we, we buy new shiny stuff. Right. Uh, but it did have everything you needed to understand the fundamentals of, of why these things are. And that was really important. Uh, while I was in school, there were one or two films that would come shoot there every year. Uh, and I would just do whatever I could for those while I could. 
um, the first feature I worked on, I was hired as a key grip and I'd never done that before. And there was a three man G and E team and I, they just taught me everything from the ground up that I needed to survive that. Uh, other features came around, uh, eventually one came that was non-union and then turned union. And nice. I, I joined the union through that. Nice. Okay. So you joined the union while you were in school. Yes. Cause the show flipped. Yes. That's awesome. So did they pay for your way into the union? Uh, I had a lot of fees waived. It wasn't entirely, but it was, it was a very advantageous thing for me in the time. Nice. That's, yeah. that's how I want, that's one of the ways I wanted it to happen for me. Cause camera is so expensive. It is. Yeah. Like the show flipped while you were on it. I, I am also a utility in 600 nice. and I, Hell I understand yeah. that. Um, but I'm still pursuing electric. Okay. Um, so then in school, um, did you, cause I know you said that you've done like storyboarding and stuff. Did you do any of that stuff in school or no, that came after? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. It was a very like, you guys did hands on everything kind it, of, it was a lot of hands on everything. Like I, like we, I would bring illustrator friends that I had unrelated to film to help us storyboard. Like there was just everyone there was passionate about something. So it was really easy to connect. Like that was a huge, it's a, an amazing art culture. And that's, the reason you want to go to that school if you want to go to that school. And then so what happened? You did the a couple gigs while you were at school and then yeah. you got in the union. So then you were pretty much what only looking for union jobs. And then did you do any PA work at you you probably didn't do any PA work or anything like that after, right? To get a gig or so uh I graduated college um a lot and then I went with my best college friends to New York city, specifically Brooklyn. And there I did some camera PA work. Nice. Um, and that was a good experience, but I, I wasn't quite as happy with, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. It's like, I wasn't happy with the kind of shows I was on. It's like, this isn't, I'm, I don't feel like I'm learning as much here with the, the, the ends that I have right now. Um, and I was in Brooklyn for about a year um, and also I was just like, I was not a good adult. And it's just like, it's hard to not be a good adult in Brooklyn. Right. So I was learning a whole bunch of life lessons and I love Brooklyn. I'm so grateful for that experience, but I do think it was for the best that I moved from Brooklyn to Atlanta. Yeah. So how did you, when you got to Brooklyn, did you, you didn't, did you know anybody? Like why, what made you move to New York instead of Atlanta anyway in the first place or LA? And then what, um, how did you get your jobs like to, through people you knew or, you know, how did you find them? What was work like in, in Brooklyn? Wow. I, if I had gone back or if I were to go back now, I, I would know so many better avenues of work. So I'm going to kind of teach you some mistakes that I made. We love mistakes. Please, uh, <laughs> please unburden all your mistakes onto us. Uh, so I went in my mind, Atlanta wasn't really on the map yet. I wasn't, totally clued into how impressive this city would grow as a film culture. Uh, Same. It's kind of like unbelievable. Like coming from LA too, like I believed the same thing. I was like, there's no way they're doing that much stuff down there. Yeah. Like there's not work, you know, cause you think of it and history kind of the way that history leads you to believe is like same thing with Michigan. Like all this stuff went to Michigan and then it, fizzled out real quick, like in a year or two, you know, it was like there and then it was gone. And so immediately when you think and you hear that the film industry is building up somewhere, you immediately feel like it's going to get taken from there at some point soon. (laughs) Like, so yeah, continue, please. I'm sorry. I just, that's, that resonated with me so much. I understand hundred percent what you're talking about. 
I um I, I thought I had the choice between LA and New York City, and then here are the people who I got along with the best and I respected their work and their worth ethic so much. So we were just we're just gonna go and get an apartment and move in and um, they each had a room. There were months where I was just essentially couch surfing because I was I was just struggling so much. Uh, I lived in the living room, and my personal space was about the square footage of my of a of my car, which is a sedan. Um, and uh, that was life. Like I was com- I was coming down from being in school with a heavy caffeine addiction, like two or three Red Bulls a day to feel normal. And I went down to a pot or two of coffee a day. I was doing very good there. Like I was, I was so broke. I was so dumb. Um, there were, there were times where I needed extra cash so much that I had like, all right, I'm going to fast on Sundays. I'm not going to buy food on Sundays. And I learned that coffee is a, is a hunger suppressant. It's like, that's what Brooklyn was like for me. And it was just, man, that was a, that was a, a good kick in the teeth. I definitely needed a lot of that in my life. Yeah. And how many, how did you find jobs there then just through your friends that you it's, lived with? It's or? amazing how far you can get even on Craigslist there and just really? networking new people. Yeah. Cause one of my roommates was working in a rental house. So he was sort of out of the game. The other one was really set up doing his work in, um, as a, as a camera intern, or then he moved up to, uh, a loader, uh, He's a he's a amazing talented person and he's he's just amazing at um he also looked like he was 35. <laughs> so he had a, a big advantage there. Um and that's not to discount his talent. Uh but most of my work was just was just going hustling like online like like there certain hours per day I had to be looking for work and I was always looking for work and then I would go crazy and I would like take myself on walks through the streets with like my shitty like 35 mil film camera just taking pictures of what I could. Did uh, you have another job that you were doing, like a side gig that no, you were I, working to make money or you I, were just I didn't, relying no, on the film stuff? No, I was stuff? just relying on film stuff the entire time I was there. Scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay though. So yeah. then because you joined the union, I'm assuming you joined the union in in Georgia. I did, yeah. Uh, 479. Yeah. And then so, but now you're in New York and did you, were you only able to take PA jobs there because you weren't, is, is New York a separate union or how it did is that a separate, work? It is a separate union. So what I should have done is I should have made friends with a union hall in New York city. And I should have said, there's this process where you go, Hey, I'm available for work. And then if everyone is busy working, then they can hire you on as a day player. Cause they're way more rigid about how you get day players. Like you basically, my understanding is you call the union hall and you, you ask like, Hey, I need some day players and they will, they will go ahead and like, load you up with those guys. So I should have taken advantage of that uh, a lot more. So that was my big mistake. Yeah. I also wanted to do more camera things because I also wanted those experiences too. So I was shooting short films. I was shooting interviews. Um, and it's hard to do that if you're broke and don't have equipment. Um, now, I had an awesome reel, but and that got me into some doors. But that wasn't as competitive as people who had a little more to offer as far as like saving production money. You right. do have an awesome reel. I appreciate that. Yeah, I do. I like your reel. Um, so then, the first, basically, the first gig you did outside of school, like not counting the productions that came into your school, was the camera PA in New York. Yeah, that's fair to say. Okay, and then when you, when did you decide that New York wasn't working for you anymore, and what made you make the move to Atlanta? Was there someone you knew that was out here? Or? 
Um, there were also really amazing, talented friends of mine who I thought would get work that we could do together. And I thought we would kind of like take our own, own little corner of the production world there. And those turned out not to work out. So my, one of some of my reasons for continuing being there kind of dried up to no fault of their own. And they're still doing very well in New York. And I had my friends who went to Atlanta call me up and, and basically it was like, Hey man, you're an idiot. Come down to Atlanta. This is where it's at. And, uh, and I took them seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, if they're working and, and they, I'm assuming they were, and they were able to give you an opportunity or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for uh, sure. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And, and skip out on that expensive rent. Yeah. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I was like blown away having a room that was the space of two cars. Like I didn't know what to do with all that space. <laughs> It's pretty amazing. So then let's bring you to you're in Atlanta now. And then what, what did that look like? Um, what was your first gig out here? What were you doing? How did you get that gig? I'm assuming by your friends that told you to come down here. Yeah. Uh, some friends of mine definitely helped me out. Um, and I was just calling at people and texting people, however I could, um, just look for work and eventually started getting, uh, some rigging days from people I knew in Savannah and for electric for electric. Yeah. And then I started getting more days day playing on, um, on set, especially in like, like there was some, I kind of started off in like some soap opera shows <laughs> or modern day soap opera shows. And I was just like, ah, this is lame, but like, I like eating. So this is, this is going to work out. Uh, and I just slowly climbed up. What year was this? This was about, this would be, let's say, 2014, 2015. When you made the move to Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's like a, a year before I started in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I saw your resume is very um, sprinkled with short films and then like TV movies. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you have lots of different things that you've done and, and different things that you do still. Um, yeah, just just to like, I, I'm definitely a person who's who's very private. Um, so this is this is out of character for me to to be doing this right now. But I'm happy to for you because I. <laughs> but I think it's important, and I think that people need to to hear. Like sometimes it's not just like one track. Like oh, I want to do this, and then you're doing that. Like sometimes you got to yeah. take a different route to get where you want to go, and you got to make mistakes along the way. And also something that I know you're very private about, and I understand why. Um, that you, um, have a lot, I'm not going to say you wear a lot of hats, but you have a lot of skill sets. And I think yeah. that that's something that's oddly frowned down upon by yeah, other crew I'd members. love to get into that. Yeah. That, because great... it's bullshit. Like, you know, you and I were talking on the phone the other day about how, like, so what you get one skill set, you master that and you're just going to go play like video games. I think you said it's like hilarious. Oh, like, that's why not, not a diss get, to video games. Why not get, video games yeah. are great, but yeah. Okay. But <laughs> they're <laughs> They're my nemesis. That's all <laughs> Rowan does all fucking day. It drives me mad. Um, but yeah, you want to like keep keep learning and keep like growing, and you can't keep growing if you're just doing the same thing all the time. So I, I think I just kind of sloppily told the story of how I got to Atlanta as an electrician, uh, and then now I'm beginning my phases and in, in doing some gaffing work, uh, and that's great. There are parallel stories of other things that I enjoy doing. And I, I do try very hard to keep it separate uh, because I, I'm not trying to muddy the well or muddy the water. I just want to like tell as cleanly story. That's the most helpful story. But I, I also do just enjoy creative endeavors. Like I, I enjoy 
doing things as much as I can. Um, and, and whatever I'm doing, whether it's what I thought I would be doing, I'm going to do my best and put all my all into it. Um, and that's given me some great opportunities as well that will probably come up in this story shortly. Yeah. Cause I mean, you do lots of different things and those are my favorite people to surround myself with because there's just endless like roads to go down to learn something. And I think, I don't know. I just think it's amazing. And I think it's silly when people kind of, Oh yeah, he's, he's a grip or an electric, but he, he, he also does this, you know, I roll and it's like, who gives a fuck? Like yeah. he's doing extra things than you. And, and I get it. Cause I know it's the same, like with, you know, I used to, I used to act and I used to dance. And when I first started gripping, I didn't really want to tell anybody about anybody that, cause I knew it was like some kind of weird whatever with it. But at the same time, I wanted people to know that I've been on set for the last 10 years of my life. This isn't like completely brand new to me. I know what the hell is going on here, you know, but it's like that fine line where you don't want someone yeah. to like talk shit about you or whatever. I don't know. It's- when, when we're done with my story, this might be a good time for me to corner you on your story. Cause I'm super interested to hear more <laughs> about that. Cause I think you have a very, very uh, amazing journey. Yeah. Well, I do speak on my journey in episode one. Okay. All right. (laughs) But if you have questions, I'm totally down to answer them because they might not be some, you know, it might be something I missed or didn't mention or something, you know? Sure. Okay. So when you're here, you got your first, you got your first, um, gigs or whatever. And then, so from the point, obviously you started day playing Yeah. and then I'm kind of, I'm, I, this is something I didn't know coming in, I didn't realize that like day playing was a huge chunk of the job and, and like how it works kind of. Uh huh. So can you elaborate on like exactly how long, how many years, how many months you were consistently like day playing and how long between jobs you had? Yeah. Because I don't think people realize like you need to save the money. I mean, I didn't realize I'm not sure saying you people don't, okay. I didn't realize how much money you have to save to get yourself by, or you might have to pick up side gigs and things is, like that. This is great. Cause now I can switch off the framework of talking about myself and, and try and be a little more helpful. So if you're starting the industry in pretty much any department you're in is going to be day playing at first. And one skill set that I I wish I had paid more attention to in the beginning is just how important it is to interact with people. Cause I've never had a natural knack for that. I think all of that has been like, uh, like just if I was a piece of metal, I was bent the wrong way as far as social skills. And I had to like take an anvil to it over many, many years. Uh, and, and that, that probably cost me more time. And it wasn't that I was ever rude or out or like outspoken or, or got in the way, I just like, I just didn't get it for some reason or another. Uh, so I think I was day playing for times where like new people would come in and then like they're working full-time jobs. Like what the fuck's going on? It's just like, well, it's like, I, I got to chill more, man. Like I got to like lean back a little more. I got to be a little less pressure on everyone. Cause I'm too serious about the job. Right. Cause there you're basically, you are in a job yeah. for 12 to 14 yes. hours of a day and and you got to have a certain personality it's not just also yes. your skill set and your personality because they need to know that that they can chill around you and be around you all day yes because they you know and if you're putting like stress on the situation they're like oh this guy's not very fun you know or whatever it is not saying that was you personally but i i, I totally well, so, get well, that some people would say that <laughs> 
I thought you were very chill and fun on yeah, The Walking Dead. I, I think you got it by then. <laughs> I, I think I've got the knack of it by now for sure. Um, but I had to go through some stuff to get there. Um, and when I started working full time, um, especially for The Walking Dead guys, like it became a very apparent like how quickly people will choose which day players are coming back first just by like how they interact with the personality of the crew. And that is extremely important. And you need to be very adaptable on that. Yeah. You can't be like a defensive person or a blamey person or, you know, anything like that. You definitely have to be easygoing and yes. And all the time, you know, it is not no, well, no excuses. Very like, and if you don't know something to ask, they also look at your willingness to learn. Like if you, you know, come on and you're full of ego, they're like, get the fuck out of here, bro. We'll take someone else who doesn't know anything. Or they'll send you to a faraway job, (laughs) which is much less fun. (laughs) Yeah. So how many years would you say you were day playing then till you got the full-time positions? Uh, We'll say three and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. And so was there, was that a big struggle to sustain yourself? Did you have to pick up other jobs like driving for Uber or something? No, it was never a huge, I was never like worried about eating. Right. When when I got into the groove here, it it wasn't so bad to where I was ever worried about that. Because there is, there's lots of work out here for day players too, you know? Yeah. Which is like something I totally did not realize until I got here. And then also I was going to ask you, have you done any... Um, any type of commercials or any music videos yourself? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know we were talking about music videos in the beginning, but any commercials? Any? I saw you did some documentaries. And I want to hear about those because I have no idea what that's like. Oh, oh, I dug deep. I found you. Where did you find me? Okay, <laughs> IMDb where I find everybody. Um, so I have done commercials. I I've done more commercials and more documentaries on the side of being a DP. So this is part of the, maybe this is part of the story where you add in that parallel narrative. Yeah. While I'm doing all this, I'm also looking for DP work and, and trying to figure out how to get into that. Eric is a very talented DP. I love his reel. It's so Nicole is very talented at being nice to me. That's (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So Eric has done, you've, you've been a storyboard artist. You've, been an electrician you've been a dp a gaffer in, camera in, operator dit a little bit of gripping a little bit of producing anything else i'm missing in a professional capacity i'd say done i've done some camera stuff um and it, i'm counting like the shorts those are important too because i think you had some stuff at festivals didn't you yeah i did mm-hmm. uh wow okay all right yeah really we're talking about there. everything you did you you've get, you've been around. You have lots of talents, and so in between time of day playing, I was very active in pursuing other things, which isn't why I hold myself with a lot of guilt or resentment for being a day player for so long, because um, it also gave me extensions into doing things like shooting a Malayalam film. Um, that was probably that was an amazing experience for me that happened here in Atlanta. Um, and it, it just meeting a, a whole different group of filmmakers that definitely influenced me. Yeah. So continue. Cause you know what else is, I, I was going to say about that is that's another thing. Cause like, I like to do other things too. Like I like to write, I like to make short films. Yeah. I, um, I still take acting classes online right now, even though, you know, I'm yeah. not trying to actively be an actor. It's just something I, it's fun, but 
I, I think this is the something that's... The downtime between day playing yeah. is important if you want to branch out and do other things Yes, to get to practice those things. Yes, because if, if you're working on a show like The Walking Dead, yes, you technically have a weekend, but that w- one day of those weekends is resting. The other day is like laundry and adulting and resting. You don't really have the bandwidth yeah. to explore different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just something that you have to accept and, and something that will be challenging when you get to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, my end goal is to be a cinematographer. That is, that is always what I've wanted to do. Once I, once I realized that lighting is just a different kind of writing and I could write things and, and I didn't like, there's, there's much less producer meetings about how I'm writing the scene when I'm lighting it. And I just think that's a very freeing place to be. Oh yeah. yeah. It's beautifully put. Right. So I wanted to, make sure that I'm always doing anything. So music videos, short films, um, I've features, whatever I could put my paws into to gain new experiences. And I think when I first came to Atlanta, I was putting more effort looking into those types of jobs than I was looking into being an electrician. Um, That landed me into doing some commercials allowing me doing a few music videos, but not many, and then doing some feature films. And that gave me the safety blanket of, okay, I know I can do this thing. I just need to figure out how to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, then things eventually started working out for me as an electrician with the Walking Dead crew. And I was just like, well, this is an amazing opportunity that I'm going to also take. And and learning from uh, Gaffer Gary Holmes and that crew, not only as far as like how to light a scene, but how to be a leader. That has been game changing. Like Gary Holmes is my favorite spirit animal. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. He should be his own Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah. So he, Gary is amazing. I miss him so much. He taught me a lot of stuff too. As Jack would push me on him, (laughs) be like, go ask him this, go ask Gary this. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea what I was asking, but I was going to go figure it out. Yeah. And Gary's like real nice with giving information, real giving with all of his information and knowledge. And, you know, he doesn't hold anything back. And that's so great. Um, While you were trying to find these other jobs, because you know people to get you in the electrician jobs. Yeah. But now you're trying to do like DP stuff. Yeah. You know, all Uh that kind of stuff. How did you, because you were successful in getting those jobs, but how did you find those jobs then? Was it word of mouth through friends, recommendations? A lot of it was just trying to meet people, like finding what avenues were good and what avenues weren't good. And the trade-off to coming to Atlanta versus New York City, Atlanta has an amazing connection to really big professional work, which you need to do in the early part of your career. Uh, and it has a lot of really shitty jobs that I had also, like it, it just wasn't advantageous to do those jobs anymore because uh, those are stepping ladders and it's just, I wasn't learning as much. And it's middle work, that middle tier stuff is what's been growing over the time that I've been here. Um, And it's definitely grown a lot more since. And those were the jobs that I was after as well. And I found some of them just through the oddest ways. Uh, One, the first film I worked on as a key grip, and that was key gripping without any experience of ever being a grip. So it's like a key (laughs) grip and title for sure. Yeah. one of the producers on that got this film called Avide, and then my reel got passed to the director and the AD. And Malayalam Films, which is what this was, is a completely different style of filmmaking for sure. Like we adapted to them 
uh, they adapted to us, and we met in the middle. But uh, through just happened to know that person through that person, and then they saw the reel, and then somebody else turned down the job, I got front and center. And it was a very weird, it was like, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, of course I want to do this. Okay, uh, we need to know that you can make a crew. It's like, can you do that? It's like, yeah, no problem. It's like, really, I was just like, oh, fuck, who am I going to call? <laughs> and then I called as many people I, I could, and luckily, like, the first people I talked to said yes. And so it's like, okay, we can do this. And and think then... That was a that was a that was a lot for me. It was just like forty nine days of shooting. It was like wow. a shit ton of of work for a film that ended up being. I think the first cut was like in three hours something, and then they cut it back to two hours. It was like there was a film within a film that that didn't even happen. Um, where where do you where do you because this is where this is where these things get messy. And so this 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 is the reason why I don't often talk about these things. Because it, I think it's easier for millennials to kind of wrap their head around the idea of like, oh, you have to do multiple things to make it in life. Because mm-hmm. that one road career isn't as available to us and it's likely not going to be available forever. Uh, but it doesn't make it easier to tell the story for right, sure. Right. Well, the, I had something to say yeah. when you were telling that story that I thought of relationships. So because you form these relationships with people. Yeah then your name gets passed along. So it's, and, and then same with the people that you reached out to, to have work for you. It's very important to keep relationships with people and keep in connection with people because you just never know what's going to come about from it. Do you agree? I just want a dramatic pause. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I think you need to get, you know, when you first in this industry, you're obsessing over becoming a filmmaker. And then when you're a filmmaker, you kind of obsess over becoming a human being again. And then all of us sort of have this idea of like, well, how can we do both? Like I want the cake and I want to eat it too. And that's Mm -hmm. our ongoing battle. I want the eight month job, but I also want a day to breathe. (laughs) Yeah. And then through that though, you start learning. It's like, Oh, it's like, like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm on set. And this PA is keeping me from doing my job, but also that's their jobs. Like what if we just treat each other like human beings first and the job no will just sense. happen. And then you, you never know. Cause people are inspired to do different things and, and you will find work through the P- person who was a PI on one day. Exactly. And that's going to be a producer the next hundred percent. Yeah. So don't ever be mean to the PAs. You never know where they're going to end up. Dun, 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 Even dun. though they might be annoying you on the day, be nice because uh, that's how, and that's the whole thing about relationships. It's like, you don't know who you're meeting and you don't know who they're going to be next year, you know? And it's like very important to be nice to everybody, treat everybody with respect. We are literally all in this game together. Like we are all trying to make it through together safely and do it beautifully. So can you, okay. So I saw on your resume. Okay. All DIT. Right. Yeah. Can you explain? I don't know where you found this, but okay. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've done that job, correct? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't looking at someone else's resume. I saw your picture. And um, can you explain what that is? Because I think I'm a little, you got, you're helping the digital imaging technician, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're Uh, helping the GP. um, I was at on a, on a lower scale. Uh So I think it would be more fair to say that I was a loader on that show. And then I didn't make that page. I I haven't, ever catered to my IMDb. I actually I know your like, walking dead isn't on there. Yeah. And I have two different versions. So there's two different versions of me on the web. Um, and I just like, I, I just don't care. Like it's, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a very helpful thing. Right. No, no one ever really asks for your resume out anyway on these jobs. 
It's word of mouth. One of the reasons I wanted to do those jobs is to learn more about different jobs. And that's been great. But a, a DIT is a highly specialized job that requires very specific equipment. And you're there on set to help the cinematographer and director produce the image that they want. And there are things that you can do that aren't the same, but are equivalent changes you can make through color changes rather than doing it just by lighting. And so if it comes down to a choice where you could do both and it's faster and cheaper to do it through color correcting, that might be a time to do it. That is a very personal decision through the director and the cinematographer. I think everyone, if in a perfect world there's enough money, you want that guy on set. But to the extent of how much you're tweaking is definitely up to that specific creative team. And and they basically like show that to them They're, right then and there. They, absolutely. They're yeah. Able to Cause do they that. can, they can do so much real time, um, especially with how trained they are. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what the limit actually is? Cause I don't think it's even fair to say the sky's the limit because technology is advancing so much. Mm-hmm. So, so to have somebody in your pocket on your team who can actually be on top of that for you and then really show you like, okay, this is what you're seeing, but like, this is, the the perfect image quality. This is what you're trying to create. You've had stuff in film festivals, right? Like your own personal projects that you've yeah. worked on with groups of people. I want to hear all about that stuff because that's like where I'm at in my side stuff is I'm making oh, short man. films. Yeah. So this stuff is super meaty for me. So whatever you have to say on that, I want to hear about it. Um, I've actually been to only one of the film festivals that I had something in. Um, this may or may not surprise you, but I, I just don't have as great as interest is doing the film festival red carpet shows. Uh, Cause I just, I'm really geeky. I just like the building of the film. And I feel like that's a totally different skill set for people to try and get their film into distribution or, or build like their credits as a filmmaker. I 100% agree. I went, my film, my short film got into a film festival and I was the only person going there and I was a producer and an actress in it. So I was the Q and a person Yeah, and I was like, I do not like this. I do not like this at all. I just want to make the film and then, and then I'll attend and watch it, but I don't want to go up there and do the whole Q and a and all that. Yeah. It's, I, I enjoy talking about filmmaking. Um, I know I've been talking about myself nonstop, but I'm not the biggest fan of that. But if, if we ever dive into like what it means to make a film or w- w- how you can tell a story, like yeah. that's, that's some meaty good shit that I'll, yeah, I'll I want yes to hear about that. Cause you do, you, you make a lot of stuff on the side and sure. And that's for your, you know, your own self and that's your love. Like you love doing that stuff. So I want to definitely yeah. hear about like what goes into when you're working on your own projects. Cause it's completely different than, being crew on other people's projects. It is. So when you're more a part of uh, the creative team, which cinematographer sometimes is, or sometimes isn't brought into the inner circle fold. uh, I I would recommend it to be as close to the inner circle as you're capable within the resources. Whenever you're hiring a a cinematographer. Um, I, so sometimes I'll talk to directors and I'm just like, I'm trying to understand like character motivations and things like that. And, and very private conversations. And some directors are like, why do you need to know that? It's like, well, cause like we could light them that way. It's like where we could camera them that way. We could compose them that way. Yeah. I'm not a fan of people withholding information all, you know, I'm a fan of like more information, better for everybody, less information. Like why do I, I got to come up and drag yeah. it out of you. 
it is up to really the director to see how much he's comfortable with that. And so that's something that you definitely need to respect because you don't want to step on somebody else's creative toes. And it is the director's project. They're the one overseeing all this. Mm -hmm. So that's super important. Um, but it, it is super, super helpful to know as much as the nitty gritty. And I like storytelling. Like I'll, I'll totally geek out over story structures or I'll geek out over how to, um, talk about character arcs and like what character arcs are important. Um, so just being able to have that conversation is also a good thing. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're doing like, what's the biggest or what's the biggest or, or smallest, if that's more impressive, like crew and, and project that you've worked on and how was that experience from start to finish and speaking on maybe lack of items you had that you had to overcome creatively instead? Yeah. So what, what is the biggest experience I've had as a DP? Yeah. Like mm -hmm, on your, mm -hmm. that would be the Avide film. Um, because that one had actual, um, that had Malayalam stars in it. Um, so you were, you were hanging out with these people who were just extremely influential. Um, and like, sometimes it's like, Oh, you're like royalty. It's like, that's how I have to think of framework. This conversation. It's like you're royalty and you're not a douchebag, but that's definitely like the life setting that we're in right now. And, and we're making a movie about your character. Um, and, the goal is always when you're working low budget is to not have that show up on screen. Um, and thankfully that project, they gave us tremendous patience to make sure that we gave them that quality. And as an end result, um, the, the reviews about that film and that's the first film I had, uh, come out in theaters. And I think that's still technically the only one. I don't think that other one, but, um, Everyone says like, oh, they made like a big Hollywood film. It's like, yeah, great. That's exactly how we wanted to lie to you. Job well done. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you have any other, any other um, advice or any kind of tips or anything for the people who, I mean, you've through your stories, you've had tons, but anything maybe that you didn't mention already that you can think of for people trying to get in how, you know, anything like a, once they get in a tip on set or something along those lines. There's so much I want to talk about. Go, go like word vomit all over that microphone. You can say whatever you want to say. I want to hear it. If you want to talk more about your. Um, your own like personal projects. I'll, I'll, I'll give or, abbreviations of things and then you yeah. could, you can tell me what you want me to spin my wheel on. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if the advice that I have right now is going to be relevant five years from now because things are changing so quickly. And so what I would be interested in talking more about with other filmmakers um, like you guys is how that industry is drastically changing. Like um, skipping over all all policies and all bullshit like we definitely are coming up into a world where even our industries we're going to have much less people working on set because technology allows things to happen mm -hmm. faster um and then the jobs on set are going to be way more uh complicated 
I already understand that as just an electrician, you really want to think about computer programming or programming for operating lights. Like, yeah, because like, you guys have iPads out and you're yeah. controlling the lights. With that. I was shocked to see that. Absolutely. Dead, and lights are feeling more and more like computers than just, okay, we're going to turn this on, turn this off. We're going to understand like what a tungsten Fresnel is um, and, and why that is significant because you hardly pull those guys out anymore. Um, and you have to always be on the ball for what's in the horizon because you have a lot of these old school dudes who have been in it for so long and now they have those awesome uh, positions where they get to run the department that they're in. Uh, but they, they need help with that new, stuff. They got a brand yeah. new app they don't know how to work. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and so that's a great in is to sort of be on ahead of the curve as far as techie. And, and, and that makes it a, to be a really positive thing to be a person who's sort of uh, more renaissance in the far as effect is like, Oh, it's like, I should learn as much as I can about everything. Cause it helps me with what I actually care about. Uh, it, it makes sense if you want to be in props to learn about, um, being an electrician a little bit. So you understand what you're asking for when you're asking for power to something like all, all of those things do come into play. Yeah. And, and what you said about, um, about like, knowing the applications and all that stuff. Oh God, I just lost my train of thought. I don't oh, know. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So about like the apps and stuff, you were talking about um, everything changing within like five years. So from the point when you were in film school, yeah, all the stuff you're doing now probably has nothing. You, you didn't even deal with it when you were learning. I, I think there's a lot of like the fundamentals of lighting that we could talk about that was very important and the fundamentals of composition are very important. Like if you want to learn about composition for uh, filmmaking, I always love recommending this book called pictorial composition, which is a book about painting. And uh, just like how you'll see different harmonies are, are always happening in songs. You'll see similar compositions that keep popping up and they create these basic shapes. And it's a book that partially tells that story. And that's super important. So the fundamentals of being a creative are always going to be there, but the tools are changing so fast where now they're basically constantly pulling the rug from underneath us. And it's like, well, what are we going to do now? Like now that you can have not a green screen, but an actual screen with a background that changes with the camera view that they used in the Mandalorian. It's like that that's changing everything in the next five years. I'm talking to production companies that aren't small, but are starting up and they're trying to get their, their hands on those things. It's like that when they have enough of those, like that you're going to have that replace a lot of studio sets. Wow. That's interesting. Have you, have you looked into that at all? No, I have not even. Yeah. No. And and technology isn't going to happen in a way that's linear to us. It's going to happen in a way that's constantly shifting and we just have to sort of be little boxers with it. We have to, we have to, and we have to understand it's like, okay, like, there's a new thing that anyone can learn, but we still have our experience and we have to project that forward. It's like, no, it's like, we're, we're, we're going to be professional. We're going to be here for you. It's like, we're going to, we're going to make this together. And that's super important. Agreed. hundred percent. Do you have, um, anything if, I mean, we're, we're coming around to the end. Okay. So do you have anything we can keep talking? It doesn't have to be the end. Do you have anything else that you want to speak on that I did not ask you? Man, this this is. We'll see how this actually registers. This is probably more revealing to the the mental space I'm in currently, um, because of COVID. Uh, I've been focusing a lot more about mental health, and um, 
and it's it's just incredible like how much that has made me better at my job and understand that these are extremely long hours with people if you work with long enough it doesn't matter how amazing they are you will want to punch them in the face <laughs> and they will want to punch you in the face yep um but on top of all of these wonderful talented people and these wonderful talented skill sets have in your arsenal how to have enough mental health to where you can also help other people with that. And that's a huge asset to everybody. Yeah, that's super important. I'm actually glad you touched on that because during this whole COVID pandemic, we're not working and we're at home the whole time, but you don't think about it when you're on set, like simple things like what you're putting into your mouth, the fact that you're not like working, you know, like what you're eating all day yeah, and slowing everything down and being at home. I was noticing, you know, Oh, this frozen pizza doesn't make me feel that great. And I'm not doing anything today. You know, I'm just like lazing around. Yeah. And if this is not making me feel great, lazing around, what is the burgers that I'm eating at the lunch spot we go to doing yeah. to me when I'm trying to work and have energy and just like, yeah, like th- thinking about what you're putting into your body and what your what your like your whole body is your tool. So, are you working out? Are you able to get a walk in? You know, on on the weekends, are you nourishing your soul and your actual body with like good food and all that stuff is so important. And people don't realize like you will die out if you eat fruit snacks all day and then go eat a burger at lunch. It's you cannot just keep carb, sugar, carb, sugar. Yeah, will, willpower is a. It's great to think of that as a stamina bar, a hundred percent, and and you will run low. So just just understand that and be good to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any uh, personal projects or anything like that that you're that you can talk about or you're excited to share? Or None that promote? I think I could share uh, publicly, but I it, hopefully there's some good stuff coming up. Yeah, and then the, and then if you come back, you can talk tell us about it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> and then, um, I mean, besides like, we're going to work on something together, which I'm super excited about. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. So now we're at the point where you're going to give me and everybody out there one recommendation. My recommendation is another book. Cause I'm a fucking book nerd. Um, that's just like one of the ways that I like to learn things. It is called The Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and it's a book on creative living. And it's really cool because she talks about having ideas and actually like using those ideas almost as like an idea is an energetic thing. And if you don't use that idea and there's it, it could possibly float to somebody else and then they act on it and they, you know, make that idea come to life and it just floats around from person to person kind of thing to that's why you see a lot of things that, Oh, this is like the same idea. Or you see something that's made and you're like, Oh, I had that same idea, you know, but they got to it first. It's like that kind of thing. So she really like speaks on ideas and being creative as like a very energetic universal thing. So it's kind of woo woo, but (laughs) I'm into woo woo. So I like that. I love that you use the word woo woo. (laughs) Do you have one Layla? Um, no. Wake up, girl. I, I, I can go. I, I, I can do a book recommendation. Okay. Uh, I was talking to you about this earlier. I just listened mm-hmm. to uh, Chris Voss's book, uh, Don't Split the Difference. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a negotiator for uh, 
kidnappings with the FBI for so many years, and then he brought that into business. So he's writing this book for people negotiating business contracts, and he's relating it to his experience working with uh, or talking to kidnappers and murderers. And I think you could extend that even further and you could extend that into our world because there's a lot of good advice in there, just how to talk to people, how how to empathize with people in a tactical way. Because you're going to hear ideas that you disagree with, but you have to understand the person on the other side, that's the rational choice that they're making. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. I got I added that book to my um, my favorites list. Nice. Do you have one yet, Layla? I mean, no, I have, I have zero book recommendations. You don't need a book recommendation. It can um, be anything. I don't know. It kind of fits the theme. I guess I'll just piggyback off of that and say that, you know, your people skills, like you said, are huge in this industry. Um, so brush up on those if you haven't. Thank you so much for coming down here and sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks and- for uh, pulling my story out. uh, I know. I'm like, hopefully you'll come back and and you don't feel like I've just totally taken all your clothes off and left you here naked. No. Well, now I can't say yes or no because I don't want to be the guy who agrees to being (laughs) left naked. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this conversation was valuable to you. If you guys want to connect, follow the podcast on Instagram at Atlanta Film Crew Podcast, or you can email me with any questions at Atlanta Film Crew Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. It would also mean the world to me if you write a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, if you love the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review. I really appreciate that feedback. I also want to thank the people who helped make this podcast possible. So thank you, Rowan O'Halloran, Layla Cohen, Andrew, and Teresa Alden. You guys are amazing.